We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. I'm excited this morning. And for me to say that is uh, you need to get the full grasp of this. So what you guys may not know, uh, one of the jobs my wonderful wife has is doing communications training for companies. And so she goes into different companies and she uh, helps them to train uh, how to communicate internally amongst themselves. And one of the things they give is it's called the Acumax Index. And in this Acumax Index, part of it is you pick a certain amount of words that you would think others would say about you and it, and it measures your response. What's the other word, honey? Your response level, your RL. So when I got to this part of the Acumax Index, apparently I broke the record for picking the least amount of words <laughs> that one would ever pick. And just to give you an idea, Amy, you said, Amy picked 58 words. I picked eight. And so this isn't a good or a bad thing. It just measures your response level in certain situations. And so what that means is I don't really get excited about things, overly excited. And I don't also, though, I don't really get bummed out over much either. I just kind of stay there on this one kind of plane. <laughs> but when, when Pastor told me, when Pastor told me, he said at the end of last year, he said, I'm going to need you, we're going to need you to get up there and preach a little bit more. I want you to be on kind of a, a, a set rotation of every five or six weeks or so. I was excited. I was excited. I got excited about something. And so from, from this morning and then even, let's see, the next at least two times, possibly three, we'll see. When you see me standing here, just open to the book of Jonah. You're gonna, you can say, oh, there's Pastor Mike. We're just going to open to the book of Jonah. So go ahead this morning and open with me to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. And the story of Jonah, it basically goes something like this. Jonah's a guy who doesn't want to do what God tells him to do. And so he runs away. God catches up with him, throws him into the belly of a fish. He lights a candle, gets thrown up onto shore, and gets to become a real boy for the rest of his life. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, that's Pinocchio. That's Pinocchio, Jonah together. Okay, let's just read. We're just going to read. We're going to start in uh, Jonah 1. And we're going to read 1 through 3. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it 
to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I think he was running from the presence of the Lord. That's what we get in those first three verses, right? But what we're going to do before we get into this is we're going to take a look at a couple, some of the meanings of some of these words and go into the backstory a little bit. So Jonah has been labeled by scholars as the reluctant prophet. And that, my friends, is not very deep. He's a reluctant prophet because, well, he was a prophet of God and he was reluctant to do what God asked him to do. So uh, our scholarly friends did not go very deep on that one. But how many of us does that apply to here today? We may not be prophets, but we're all probably guilty of not doing what God would want us to do, or being hesitant even, or reluctant in what God would want us to do. So Jonah's this prophet of God who, he often did what was right, but in this story, he, uh, he doesn't obey God at all and he runs. And so the name Jonah means dove or peaceful one. So he's a dove or peaceful one who disobeys God and is now the reluctant prophet. The next word we're going to look at is a midi, a midi. That's his father, the son of a midi, it says. And a midi means truth. It means truth. And so for a prophet, I would think that is a great name. I am the peaceful one who is the son of truth. That makes it a little bit more palatable, I think, when, I, when he's about to bring the word of the Lord to somebody. They're probably a little bit more open to know that he's peaceful and he's the son of truth. And Nineveh is the city that he's commanded to go to. And Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And at this point in time, it is the Israelites' worst enemy. Israelites hated the Ninevites. And as we kind of go into this, you're going to see why. And so we're going to just look at Verse 1 again, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So the good news is that the word of the Lord is going to come to us today. Our God is a God who loves to speak. He spoke creation into being. I can't even ask my son to eat his vegetables. I can't speak that into being. But God spoke creation into being. That's pretty awesome to think about. And I know sometimes those things are even really hard to completely wrap our minds around. But that's what the word says and we believe the word. So he speaks some of the different ways he speaks all throughout history is he speaks with an audible voice, right? Moses at the burning bush. Moses heard an audible voice. Um, um, I would bet many of us in here may have heard the audible voice of the Lord at a point in time. He speaks through his prophets. He's speaking through Jonah in the story we're going through right now. He speaks through you and me. Have you guys ever experienced maybe you're, you're praying through something, you're 
talking to the Lord about something and somebody comes along, you're having a conversation and they speak into what maybe you were praying about or thinking about, that's the Lord using somebody to speak through, uh, to, speak through to you. He speaks through circumstances and situations that we're going through. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. And pop quiz, what's the oddest thing in the Bible he ever spoke through? A donkey. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty, to me anyway, I guess. I guess this is uh, subjective. I think it's pretty odd that he spoke through a donkey. Balaam's donkey. He told Balaam's donkey, he told Balaam, hey man, turn around, dude, you are going the wrong way. I don't know if he said it exactly like that, but. And I, could, I would imagine that listening to a donkey speak to you would be quite strange. But do you guys know what he speaks through most consistently and more clear than anything else? Yeah. Right here. This. This is his word. You have the ability to hear the voice of God for yourself Every day, every single day, you just pick this up and read it, and it's the voice of the Lord. Every person in this room, every person watching online, we've already heard the voice of God this morning, because we read the first few verses of Jonah. We opened up his word and we read it together, and so you have heard the voice of God. His word is described as active and living. It's self-proclaimed that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces its truth, and it'll transform us if we commit to reading it. His word comes to change us and move us in new directions in life. And we have a choice. When the word of the Lord comes... We can obedient, be obedient and obey it, uh, or we can do what Jonah did and uh, say, I don't want to be obedient to you, God. I don't want to be obedient. What we're going to do is we're going to go through four thoughts this morning about this scripture. We're going to read through a couple more, I think four, maybe five, but definitely four. And the first thought was that the word of the Lord will come to you, and that's the good news. We just read the word of the Lord. The challenging news is this. When God comes, he's often going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. He's often going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. And the reason we don't want to do them is a lot of the times we want to convince ourselves that we know what's best. We know what's best. All right, help me out here. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate, raise your hands. Chocolate? Chocolate, that's right. Vanilla, raise your hands. Some of you voted twice. I saw you back there. What about strawberry, though, right? Ah, see, yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway. We like to think we know what's best. 
Or sometimes it'll go like this, somebody in authority or someone with maybe a little bit more knowledge about something than us is going to tell us what to do or give us direction and we don't want to do that because I know what's best. When I was working for Teen Challenge, so I had, I had got brought down from Michigan to be the program manager at Teen Challenge and real short into my time there, like within a couple of months, we had a thrift store at one point in time out on Tennessee Avenue. Does anybody remember that thrift store? Yeah. We had a thrift store out on Tennessee Avenue. And the um, manager of the thrift store uh, left. I, I, I'm not sure why, but so they needed a manager. And so they came to me and said, Mike, you're going to manage a thrift store. And I said, okay. <laughs> I have no idea how to manage a thrift store or what I'm supposed to do, but you're paying me and you told me that's what I'm going to do, so I'm going I'm to go and do that. So a few months in, I'm managing a thrift store. And one day, uh, Amy and I were in the office, right? Luke, Luke might have been there. And this uh, student comes running in. You got to come back. You got to get back here. You got to get back here, back to the uh, sorting room. We had a sorting room where all the donations came in. And so you got to get back here. And what had happened is a young man got his eye shot out by a bow an arrow, a toy bow and arrow. And just to give you an idea of how gruesome it was, I'm sitting on the ground with my legs spread holding him, kind of like a, a big baby, and I'm praying over him. The, the, e, the EMT people, do we have any EMT people in the house? Any firefighters, EMT, EMT people. So the EMT people come, the EMT people come around. I'm holding him. They come around the corner and they look at him. They go, oh. And I'm like, are you serious? You're not, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. That's going to make it worse. So it was a sight to behold. He actually, he ended up. Uh, losing sight in his eye. They were not able to um, correct what had happened. And I'd say that to say what had happened shortly before he got his eye shot out by, it wasn't even an arrow, it was a stick. The floor manager told them in the back, stop doing that. You're going to shoot your eye out like the Christmas story, right? You're going to get, somebody's going to get hurt. You're going to shoot your eye out. But what, but what did the young man playing with the bow? Nah, we'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, that's probably what he's thinking. It'll be fine. I don't want to listen. I don't want to obey. So a lot of the times we feel like we know what's best. And we don't want to obey when the word of the Lord comes, especially through a person. If we, haven't, if we haven't determined that the word of the Lord was directly from the Lord to us and it comes from another person, oh, we don't like that. We don't like that. Obey. 
Think about it. Just say that word. Go ahead. Obey. You don't like it. You don't like it. Brings out the rebel in everybody. Brings out the rebel in everybody in here. Obey. Say it to your, say it. Go ahead. Obey. That's not the bad. It's not so bad when you say it to yourself. But if I say it, obey. You, ooh, you don't like it. You do not like it. Why do you not like it? Why don't we like it? Because we know what's best. We know what's best for us. And that's the context for Jonah as we move down into verse 2. Look at it. It says, arise, go to Nineveh. Right there, the Lord's telling him. what He's giving him direction. He's telling him what to do. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so off the cuff, when you read that, you think, what's the big deal? Jonah's a prophet. It's his job. Why not just obey this simple assignment? So a little backstory on Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of the Syrian empire at this time. And the Assyrians were so feared because of the brutality of their attacks, it's believed that there were villages that would just commit suicide rather than face whatever was coming from the Assyrians when they got word that they were on their way. That villages would just commit suicide. And there, there, are, there are a lot of history books out there about it. So I would encourage you, if you ever wanted to read into something like that. And, and this is, mind you, this is history. This, these are history books, not from a Christian bent. This is, you can trace this stuff back. That's how feared the, the uh, Assyrians were. I'm not going to go into what types of things they did because it was, it's horrific and it's disgusting. But when you know that, when, when you have that knowledge you tend to have a little bit more mercy for Jonah when he says, I don't want to go there. Because these are the things he's doing to his people. These are, the things, these are the things they're doing, the Assyrians, to his people, the Ninevites. And he hates these people. God tells him, I want you to do something. And in his mind, he's got a legitimate reason not to obey, right? He's, it's a legitimate to him. And how many of us can relate to that in here at one point in time? The Lord has told us to do something, but we've got a legitimate reason. Somebody's wronged us or hurt us or maybe hurt a loved one and the Lord wants us to forgive this person or worse yet, even help this person out in a situation they're in. I hear you, God, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve my help. Let's look at a different issue, a nice a hot topic issue. I like it. Let's look at the tithe. I'm going to use the tithe as an example. And for the sake of the many different views on the tithe, Old Testament, New Testament, blah, blah, whatever. The tithe, when I say the tithe, 
What I'm talking about is giving financially to the advancement of the kingdom. We're not talking about a percentage. We're not talking about giving to a place. Giving financially to the advancement of the kingdom when I say tithe. And so first off, I believe that it's crystal clear in scripture that God has entrusted us to manage his resources. Everything is his anyway. Everything is his. So with that being said, technically, we don't, we don't, um, we don't give the tithe. We return it back to him. We return the tithe back to him as an act of worship. And I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us, again, taking, you know, making it very blanket statement, would believe in tithing. And in that it's required of us as Christ followers. But I don't want to. I like my stuff. I want my stuff. Or I, uh, I got ripped off by some slick mouth preacher. And I don't believe in the tithe anymore. That's not what it is. That's, that's, that's Old Testament. There is no commandment in the New Testament about the tithe as a 10%. And just a little side note, man, you're missing the mark if you're getting into all of that. New Testament, Old Testament, it doesn't matter. It's all God's. And we return it back to him as an act of worship. The percentage doesn't matter. Where it goes doesn't matter. And if you're arguing those types of things, you should check your heart. Because the chances are more than likely you're arguing because you don't want to give. And I would encourage you to give because you're missing out on the full counsel of God. When you don't participate to financially sowing into the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom, sow financially into the advancement of the kingdom. All right, I'm going to get off that. So I went too far on that one. Let me get off there. All right. For my single friends in here, for all my single friends, you're dating somebody. Maybe you're dating somebody. And he's just so cute. Or dude, she smells so good. Like flowers. She smells like flowers. And this, this, person's, this person's giving you the tingly-wingly. And now you, now you got the tingly-wingly going on. And you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. And the word of the Lord comes. And it says, that's for marriage, my dudes. That's for marriage. That's not for dating. That's not for dating. You have a choice. You have a choice. I know what God says about this, but I don't want to. I don't want to. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel loved. I don't care what God says. That's the Jonah in all of us. The Jonah in all of us. So the word of the Lord comes, and I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to do it right now. 
I'm going to do it later. Okay, God, I'm going to do it later. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. There's a pastor, his name is Aaron McManus, and he said this, and I like it a lot. It says, the mark of maturity is called lag time. You can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God and the obedience. If the distance is short, they're mature. If the distance is long, they're immature. Where does your lag time fall? Where does your lag time fall? Be honest with yourself, too, in in these things. Always be honest with yourself when it's between you and the Lord. You'll never, you never have anything to worry about. He already knows anyway, so no sense in trying to hide anything from him. So God's going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. The next thought is whenever God does speak and asks you to do something, you can always find a ship moving in the wrong direction. You'll always be able to find a ship moving in the wrong direction. I want to be good. I want to do what he's called me to do. Here comes your old buddy. No, let's go do this. Let's go do this, this, let's go do this other thing. But let's keep moving through. Verse 3. It says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Again, pretty obvious that he's running. He wanted to run from God. God says, go east. Nope. Jonah says, I'm going west. I'm going 2,500 miles west to Tarshish. In the opposite direction. One commentary that I read said it would take a year to sail from where he was to Tarshish. That's a lot of running. A year to sail. That's a lot. Some of you even right now might be able to relate. You're sitting next to somebody who thinks you're on the right track, but in your heart, you know you've been running. And you might be a long way from God. The word of the Lord came to you. He told you what he wanted you to do. And somewhere along the way, whether it was days ago or weeks ago or months ago or maybe years, you said, no, no. I don't want to do that right now. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do it later. You can run for a while, but you can't run forever. The word of the Lord will catch up to you. You better make it sooner and not later. Or maybe you're not on the run as much as you're just drifting. That can happen pretty easily. Just drifting. You know when you go to the beach and you're out there in the water and you're playing with your kids, you're throwing them around, you're wrestling, you got the football or with your buddies. I got my kids, so. You've got the football and you're throwing the football and you're throwing it just out of reach enough so that they have to dive into the water and grab it. 
and you're playing around and after a little while, what happens? You look up and your umbrella and beach blanket is whatever, 50 or 100 yards one way to the right or to the left. What happened there? You're drifting. Yep. In that short amount of time, you didn't realize. You didn't even realize. You're so focused on what's going on around you, playing, having a good time, not even intentionally. And there you are, 100 yards away from the target. And our relationship with God can be like that sometimes. We're digging into the things of God. We're reading our word. We're praying. We're participating in community with other believers. We're going to church as a priority in our life. He's answering prayers. He's guiding us. We're on fire. And then what happens? Maybe one day you decide to skip church. Eh, not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. And then you do it again. I'm doing fine, you tell yourself. Then you put his word down and you stop reading it. Then you're not really praying as much anymore. And then one day you realize you're not seeing God move in your life like you used to. How did I get so far from God? What happened? I'm drifting. It wasn't that you were running. It wasn't even intentional. You're just slowly drifting. When we disobey God's commands intentionally or even unintentionally, we're drifting and we're separating ourselves from him. And that's the Jonah in all of us. It's the Jonah in all of us. So the word of the Lord is going to come to us and it may not be what we want to hear. And when we run, we can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. And the third thought is when you're on, when you're, uh, on the run, doing the wrong thing, God may send a storm to get your attention. He might send a storm. Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4. It says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So things are getting crazy. The storm's brewing, and it, must, it has to be a big storm. This is more than likely a big ship that he's on. It's got many sailors, and they're transporting cargo a long way. And in the next few verses, says that the men were afraid. Now, these are seasoned sailors, and they're on a big ship, and they're afraid. So it's pretty safe to assume that it is a big storm, a big storm. They're running around. Whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? They draw straws and come to the conclusion that it's Jonah's fault. Who are you? What did you do? Verses 9 and 10 tell us. Verses 9 and 10. And worship team, you guys can start to make your way back up. 
It says, So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. They knew he was running from God because he told them. You've been running. You've been drifting. You've been whatever from God. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to open your eyes? What type of storms do you need to go through to realize that you need to keep God consistent in your life? Jonah's running so fast and hard at this point, he doesn't even realize that he's putting innocent people in harm's way. Now, our situation may not be that dire, but you better believe that running and drifting can affect other people, not just yourself. If you claim to be a Christ follower, do other people look at you and want what you have? Or do they say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want any of that. Your obedience or obedience to God affects people in your life, not just yourself. And that brings us to our last thought, that Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. His worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Verses 14 through 17. Let's look at that. It says, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah gets thrown overboard. He's swallowed up by a fish three days and three nights in the belly. I mean, you can't even really fathom what that must have been like. What's going, what's going through his mind, right? I wonder how long it's going to take this stomach acid to eat me up. That's... Or who knows? This is, to Jonah, this is probably the worst possible scenario. And you cannot get me to believe that he's thanking God. Thank you, God, for sending this fish to swallow me up. And now I'm in the belly of it. Like, there's, there's no way he's thanking God in a situation like that. Maybe some of you are facing your worst nightmare. You're in a financial crisis. God says, do I have your attention now? Maybe you're in a relationship with somebody and it can't get any worse. Do I have your attention now? Now understand, though, not everything happening in our lives that's bad is because of God or that he's, he's causing it. Um, whether, whether he is causing it, or he's allowing it to happen because we live in a fallen world. He can use it to draw you closer to him. And if I were a betting man, 
and I'm not. I don't bet. Yeah. But if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on that being his end goal. He loves you. And he loves me. And he wants us to love him and trust him back. Think back over your life. I'll bet every believer in here can relate. When things get their worst, they can't possibly get any worse. What do we do? We cry out to God, right? When things are at their absolute worst. And it's at his absolute worst, in the belly of a fish, we see where Jonah finally cries out to God. Look at uh, chapter 2, 1 and 2. It says, then Jonah prayed. So he's in the belly of the fish. I don't think he was thanking God at first. Because it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. So the word of the Lord will come, and we have a choice every time. Obey or not. When God speaks, you'll always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. And if you don't obey, he may send a storm to get your attention. And if that doesn't work, he may allow you to face your worst nightmare. And when he does, it's important to understand it's because he, lo he loves you and he wants better for you. So you can keep running or you can come back to him. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.